You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Today is really special for me. And if you stay till the end, which you motherfucking should, hello, um, you'll hear a very beautiful conversation between two women who really love and respect one another. But Christina Glickman is the most fabulous and the coolest woman I've ever met. And we were lucky enough to be in a mastermind together for about six months and became amazing friends during this time and continue to cultivate a relationship that I am so grateful for. As you'll hear in this episode, Christina's a few years older than me. She has a thousand children and a husband and a puppy. And she's lived a lot of lives. She's seen a lot of things. She's been a lot of different iterations of herself. And I learned so much from her with the way she shows up so vulnerably and openly to help others grow and challenge their own stories and become more of themselves. She just did her first TED Talk, and I cannot wait to see it. And I had the absolute pleasure of hearing one of the first drafts live during one of our masterminds, which was such a gift. So we talk about who she became en route to TED and what fear means and allowing people to really unfold and not closing the door on herself. And this is a woman who has liberated herself in so many ways, and she continues to liberate the rest of us because of that. So I'm so excited for you to get to know my dear friend, Christina Glickman, and just be in her energy because she is magnetic beyond belief. Here she is. Okay, so you wore feathers for me. Tell me about I them. Fe- I wore you look fabulous. I really like that big countdown, by the way. It's great. I, if I could have that countdown every Monday, I'd feel like I'm going places. <laughs> it's like jazz hands on crack. Yes. Like I like it. It's a good countdown. No, hi. I'm just so happy to see you. And I had to bring out feathers because you are one of my most favorite people on the planet. And I am so lucky. I was actually sharing with you that I was doing a little story about you. Um, Do like I'm already going rogue. I'm already going wild west. I'm here for it. Um, But that I was so lucky to meet you about a year ago. And my story was just talking about how you've been such a gift in my life as somebody that's so different than me. And I've learned so much because of that. And I was just encouraging other people to just like look around you and fill your space with people that aren't cut out just like you, like in in other ways. But I said that our connective thread of spirituality and what we hope to do in the like all that is the common ground. But I would have never connected with you on a number of things. But now that's been the biggest gift to me. So Thank you. I feel the same way. You know, this is actually a really interesting aspect of the conversation that I did want to have because, Mm -hmm. you know, Kelly Brock and I have very similar conversations of, wow, Mm -hmm. we're really different and yet we vibe so Mm -hmm. much and really Mm -hmm. have so much compassion and love for one another. And I, I think this is an important conversation to have right now because there is so much divide going on and we don't need to go down into the rabbit hole of why, but I think that 
there is a lesson to be had here in showing up for people you love and having compassion and empathy and seeing people on a soul level rather than focusing on so much of like these, I feel like logistics and details that don't define a person. Um, and it's really ruining a lot of friendships and relationships at this point. So how, I mean, you've had, you know, more, a little more life experience than I have. So I feel like you're probably better even at this than I am, but how do you navigate when maybe you're not on the same page as your friends and maybe you do disagree on really important things, but you still have such deep love for them? Yeah. I mean, Kelly, I really do think that aging is the most wonderful gift. I'm turning 49 um, on Thursday. Um, and I, I love aging. I, really not to be so um, cheesy, but it's a privilege. I'm so grateful to be here. And and I really think that um, I'd like to say it's because I'm just oh so smart and learned so much, but I just think it's handed to you. Aging just is handed to you and the wisdom comes. If I would have only been as far in my own soul journey as you, for lack of a better word, um, I would have been a lot further. And I think that when you talk about friendships and the divide and all of the things, for me, what I've learned is that I spent a lot of years also wanting people to sort of operate the way I did, right? Like, I can do this, why can't you? And just not having a lot of empathy or compassion. And then I also have really realized that um, I have to accept people as well as myself each time there's a new version of me. And so what ends up happening is that if people aren't willing to change with you, and now I can identify that that's what's happening. Whereas before it was just like, we're not seeing eye to eye and like, friendships or relationships would kind of have a demise. But now I'm really aware. And I can kind of look outside myself and say, you know what, I think this person's going through XYZ. I'm not really quite sure that they can sort of see where I am. And I'm okay, like letting it lie. And I'm also okay knowing that things are temporary and not so permanent. And one of the the gifts of of aging, I think, is everything isn't black and white. Everything isn't so clear. And if I can kind of sit in that gray, it doesn't like shut doors. It, it just, it is what it is, right? Which is, and I think especially through this pandemic, we've all kind of did the rebirth and you and I've talked about the shedding and all those things, but it now becomes a point in time where um, I can see outside myself and that helps me then, I don't know, accept others differently and, and not sort of be, um, like I said, really black and white. I mean, I used to, Gosh, you know, I just feel like I used to say so many things with so much conviction, right? I used to say, small example, oh my gosh, if my spouse ever cheated on me, I would leave him in a hot second. Okay, well, and to be clear, Adam hasn't. At least I was like, I oh, where are we going um, with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the, the man works too much. If he does, kudos to him, then he's really pulling it off well. <laughs> um, but my point in that is you don't know somebody else's shoes, period. You don't know their relationship. You don't know about their children. You don't know. And it's the same thing where we judge about with people either having children or or even like the vaccine or whatever. Like, I think that when we can at least stop and, and know that we love someone else, we can listen to them. We can understand. We don't have to agree, but we don't have to be so strong in what somebody else should be doing. And I just felt like I spent a lot of years doing that. I felt very judgmental. Um, and I, I'm a work in progress. I mean, I, I don't suggest that I've, gotten to some stage, but I think I just have a much kinder eye to others now. You know, I, um, I feel that from you. And I love that you bring that up because it's kind of this idea that I've been toying with over the last six months of our truth and mm-hmm. how I feel or I felt when I started really questioning what that even meant. I felt like mm-hmm. I was a prisoner of my own truth because 
what my truth Mm. was yesterday may not be my truth today. And I would judge myself for evolving. I was like, well, no, you said this thing and like, that's it. Well, but now I have more contacts or maybe I had a different experience and now I'm, I've changed my mind. And I feel like we are not only holding ourselves at the stake, ready to burn ourselves so quickly for changing or evolving, but now we're doing that to everyone else. And of course, we're never going to agree with everyone, but it's not, you know, on a soul level, it's not my job to say you can't do that or that's wrong because Maybe that is right for you. And maybe that is your path. And by me being a fucking bitch, for lack of a better term, I'm keeping you from like living out your soul's purpose and figuring out whatever your thing Mm -hmm. is, because I'm so stuck and hellbent in my own idea of what it's supposed to be like. I just think that's unfair. No, but it is. And isn't it funny how there's a negative connotation with I've changed my mind or you said that yesterday, but now you say this, like my first reaction is one, just to own that. Well, yeah, I did, but I did change my mind and here's why. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I think about it a lot with politics in the sense that, you know, when they want to bring up something that somebody said 17 years ago, like instead of like trying to rework what they said, just like, well, I was a different person then. I got my information here, but now I have it here. Like it's a, that's whole idea too, about like the, you've changed being negative. I hope I've changed. And that's usually associated with something really bad. And so it's, it's really that mindset of, I can say today to you X, Y, Z. And if tomorrow I say different, it doesn't mean I'm a liar or a flake or whatever. I hope that I surround myself with enough people, the right people that can see that that's just part of growing. Um, And I don't think we usually do that. And that's why what you just said was so brilliant. Being locked into your own truth um, is suffocating because then you have to live up to that. And what even is that? I don't know what that is. Yes. Okay, so saying I would never get a puppy and I have a puppy, right? (laughs) So, you know, people are always like, I can't believe I love animals, by the way. I grew up with animals, but when you already have four children and 17 jabs, getting a puppy is not the greatest idea. But my point is, people would say, You always said that you wouldn't. And instead of me going back as to the why, I'm like, But I do now. Like, enough. Like, stop trying to bring up that I said it so many times before. Like, who cares? Yes. But it's just funny. People like to point out whatever it might be, you know? And, and it's, it's not liberating for any of us. I don't want to live up to that. I want to, be able to live how I want to live today. And if tomorrow I hate feathers and I never want to put this on again, so be it. Right. Like it's too much. I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. And that leads me to why we're really here today. Aside from the million other things that we're going to talk about. I keep forgetting. It's not just a coffee talk here, Kel. I mean, I gotta, it, kind I gotta, I gotta it kind of is, <laughs> but Here's the thing, Christina Glickman. Um, yeah, I think you've you've sworn a lot of things to yourself. You thought a lot of things that I will do this. I will never do that. I will not be caught dead doing this. There's no way I'm going to get a puppy in the middle of, you know, pandemic and getting ready for a TEDx talk and all of my children and like having life changes just, you know, transition. Yet here you are motherfucking owning a TEDx stage like the queen boss lady that you are. And I'm dying to see it, by the way. Um, But you had to let go of a lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts and not okay. And I can't be this person to walk onto that stage and do what you did. So I want to hear the whole fucking story. How did you even get your ass up there looking so hot, by the way? Well, first of all, I can get up there by having friends like you that text me and check in on my heartbeat. So 
that's one is that I surround myself by only a lot of love and light. And that's taken a lot of work and a lot of intention. I don't think any of us can do any of this alone well. So that's number one. Um, So thank you for that. And I will say that it was a nine month journey, which I think is kind of ironic now that I've been reflecting that that's like a gestation thing, because I feel like I gave myself away for, for nine months and then gave birth to this. And I also feel that my family gave me their lives for nine months Mm. in a lot of ways. So Mm. it's an interesting reflection. And every day I'm thinking a little bit more, but what I will just say is it's funny that what I'm sharing here happens to be wrapped up in a TEDx talk, but that's irrelevant. It it really is just about the in-between journey, right? And so it happened to be for me what I needed to see myself. For somebody else, it could be a meeting you go to. It could be, you know, uh, having a, I don't know what it is, but I just, just want to be clear that it's not about TEDx. It just happened to be the vehicle that got me to this place because I feel like my whole life in a weird way, I've been trying to get the stamp of like, okay, no, now you're validated and now you're here. And now, you know, and it wasn't, my success in advertising or my success with this other company I work with or children or the book or any of it. And for some reason, the process of Ted allowed me to now be sitting here with you to say, there's no space I don't belong. And I feel completely whole in the sense that I can really come to the table and not be afraid that you might see me. And now again, maybe in a year I feel differently, but as of today, three weeks out, it's really how I feel. And what keeps ringing through my head is, and I was, I was petrified for nine months. I wanted to give up every step of the way. I kept saying to Adam, what the fuck am I doing? And he kept reminding me, well, you did this. And I was like, I want out. <laughs> I was hoping that COVID would tear it all down. and I couldn't go. I was like, I'm waiting for the email. Like we should shut it down. Maybe I'll do it virtual. And then I can have like cue cards. Like I just was, I wanted it over and ending to it. And I kept thinking, I was worried about self-sabotaging myself. And the fear wasn't based on would it be a success? The fear was letting myself down after working so hard. And so what ended up happening is all of this fear. And then on Monday, which was the rehearsal and it was Monday night, there wasn't a nervous bone in my body. And I kept waiting for it to come. Like, when am I going to vomit? And I just sort of floated up on that stage and I didn't miss a word. Like it just came out of me, like out of body that I didn't even know was happening. And, and again, let me be clear. I don't mean that it was incredible. I mean, it was good for me. Okay. Like I, I don't care if it's never clicked on. I don't care if you look at it and you say to, you know, as someone that it's a piece of crap, I I don't care. It, It exists out into the universe. And what I will say is that I trusted myself and I trusted the universe and they both showed up for me in that moment. They just did. There's no other way to explain it. There's no other way to explain it. And um, it was Abby that said this, to be clear, not me. But she said, when you have preparedness meet talent, that's what happens. She used to tell me that. And I experienced it for the first time in my life. Because I kept saying, well, what if I choke? Or what if I, because again, you're supposed to memorize it. And I'm a, I'm a Wild West kind of girl and a gut girl. And I don't like script. And I don't, but it's curated down to the letter. And so I just was so afraid that I'd done so much work and I was going to just bomb. And I don't think that if you really do have that trust in yourself and you've put the work in, it can't happen. It's like, it, it's almost like I couldn't screw up if I wanted to, it just overcame me. And so, you know, when people say like, how did it go? And, and it's funny. Cause I always say like, oh my God, I killed it, but I killed it. Cause I did it. Not because it's awesome. Like, I don't care what you think of it. I don't care if you hate it, like no issue, but it's just the matter of there's no way that I could have 
gotten to that feeling without nine months of giving my entire self to it. And so the lesson for me is that whatever it is that you have going on in your life, if you fully give yourself to it, you'll get the benefit at the end or or through it. And it was never, what I thought I started off with was, I can't wait to be a TEDx speaker and put that title on my IG. I only changed it a couple of days ago. I didn't even really, it doesn't even mean that much anymore, right? What means so much is is that I I did the process. Long answer. I love this. And so much mm-hmm. just came forward um, as you were talking. But what I saw was two very different scenarios and two very different women with different intentions. There's mm-hmm. the woman who does something for validation and recognition. Like I need people to approve of me and tell me I'm good and tell me that I did a good job and pat on the back. And that is what Mm -hmm. I am doing this for. There's a sense of emptiness and a void, right? Then there's the woman who is so full and so rooted and grounded in who she is. The intention is to do something to expand herself and to be of service as it's meant to be, but not needing to fill a void and not coming from a place of lack. And so I'm curious Mm -hmm. for you, because I would imagine that you've done things for validation and recognition versus the way you Mm -hmm. entered into TED, how different it felt within your body to have the intention you did this time around versus maybe a younger version of you who didn't have that stability and that rootedness. Uh, Well, once again, your brilliant words, Kelly Tennant. I mean, it's completely why I also feel like things kind of show up in your life at the right time. If you will, if you're open to them and allow for it, I would have, um, if I did this even a couple of years ago, I would have done it so that I could tell you I did TEDx, right? No, no shame in that. Like, that's why when people say they want to do it, I always say, well, tell me why. And I, if you, if it's because you want the validation, you go all day long, but get really real with why you're doing it. And my why for doing it from the very beginning was I knew I was out of my league. I knew that um, it would make me so uncomfortable every single day. I knew it would be so hard. So all of those reasons were really the intention versus the outcome, if that makes sense. Like the moment I submitted even the application, I felt like I made it. And I would joke to Adam, can we stop here? Like I did it. Like I did the work to write it. Like we're done now, right? Like I submitted a TEDx application, like we're done here. Um, And I really felt that way the whole way through. And there's no, to be clear, there's no right or wrong way to approach any of this, but it happened to be for me the right way to go because what I gained from it now is this. I've gained from it um, the sense that whatever I want to do now um, is completely guided by my own joy, how I want to serve, what I want to do. And I'm not white knuckling anything. I don't feel desperate. I don't feel like I'm chasing energy that's not mine. I just, I feel very peaceful about it. And again, it was not standing on that stage. It was the nine months leading up to it. How much did you feel like you changed, evolved, expanded from the moment you said yes to doing TED to the moment it was over? Oh God, like a hundred percent. I feel like yeah. a different person. Yeah. You know, and I, I know that sounds so cliche, but it's just the truth. And I don't think there's a shortcut to it. You know, I mean, I say that some people could like apply tomorrow, do one in a month and think it was great. And that was amazing. But I really went into it for the journey. Um, and I got out of it everything I had hoped. Um, and again, I don't mean success to be clear. Yeah. I mean, for me as a person. You know, I think you know? it's it's an interesting conversation to have. And 
we talked about aging a few minutes ago and so many women are so scared of aging and I was always so scared of it. I'm 33 now about to be 34. And I thought, Oh God, like aging is such a scary thing. There are wrinkles. Things don't look the same. You're not as attractive. Well, I mean, I don't know. I could probably come up with a million ideas of what aging means. Right. And yeah, what I had no idea was coming for me was this level of fucking trust in myself mm-hmm. and this knowing. It's like the older I get, the more yeah. I like myself, the more I trust myself. And I look back at my early 20s and I'm like, God damn, like, what were we even doing? I think it's a gift we get for when like we fall apart physically, yes. <laughs> but you get a lot up here. Right. And I completely agree. That's why I think you know, when people say, oh my gosh, your 40s or your 50s or your 60s or whatever, all I know is that it does get better and better. That That's my opinion. And that's exciting to me. And of course, there's a very real aspect to it of everything falls apart. But I, I feel like I can temper that with, and I know you'll agree with me with this. Interesting people that are happy are attractive people. Yes. I don't care if my neck's falling down and, you know, my baby's... If you are, if you are curious and interesting and you have a passion of life, you are so attractive. I'm sure there's people in your head that, you know, are not aesthetically pleasing, but you are so attracted to their humor, their, the energy somebody brings. There are the people that you know of that are dropped dead gorgeous that you'd rather poke your eyeballs out than spend an evening with. Mm -hmm. So when you get to that place, and I think it's an aging thing, you quickly realize too, especially as you get older, you know, that calling card of what you look like will only last so long. And, and I, I would never want to chase that anyways. Like, it, it's so not interesting to me. Like, I want to look good for myself and feel good and not look terrible. But it, you start to release some of the fact that your entire being is wrapped up in how I present myself into the world in that way, because you realize that the energy that you attract and your your magnetic is based on something that has nothing to do with your appearance. Yes. If you're doing it right. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I think that feeds into as well, like the validation piece, right? So we want to be seen mm-hmm. a certain way. We want to be able to check all those boxes. And what I find as I get older, it's like the less and less I care about those, those outer exterior appearances, mm-hmm. because I just don't care as much. I have less fucks to give around that. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm not for everyone, whether my personality, the way my body is, it doesn't matter. And The thing that I love about you so much is that you are so fucking over the top and so like loud with the way you enter a room, with the way you dress, with your goddamn spiky hair that is just so dope. And you are like the coolest person I know in the world, literally. And you do it from a place of such joy and fulfillment that like I'm here and I don't need you to think that I'm awesome and I I don't need your validation and I'm okay if people don't like me. How did you get to be this Christina? Well, goodness. I mean, thank you. And I, I genuinely know that when you say that you love me for me, I feel it and I know it because I know you and this is going to sound like a bunch of bullshit, but it's the truth. When I tell you that I'm not looking for the spotlight, but I show up with feathers, white eyeshadow and big hair and 12 rings, you're like, well, then how do you enter a room that way and not expect people to look at you? And so I battled with that a really long time with that whole idea of making yourself smaller and not appearing. And I realized that if you know me, you know, I cannot show up another way. 
It's not me. I don't feel like me, which is why, again, going back to like the TEDx stage and I ridiculous. If you look at me with the other four speakers, I mean, I look like I'm Elton John on crack and I don't fucking care. That is me. And if you know me, you know, I have to show up just like somebody else has to wear a Navy suit with a big old boat, like be who you are, who you are, who you are. And I spent years apologizing for the way I entered a room because I actually didn't want you to look at me that way. I just want you to get to know me, but I'm loud in my appearance. But when you know me, I think, you know, like I'm a love bug, like I'm all heart. I'm not, I'm not out there for a runway. And so I, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to share this tiny snippet here because I don't, I think it's a, it's a journey forever. And, and so within my Ted journey, I was lucky enough to be connected to some stylists, right? That was a dream of mine. They were nice enough to say, we're going to fly into Chicago. We're going to dress you all this amazing things. Sounds great, right? Well, um, about a week or so before they were going to come out to Chicago, I live in Chicago. They live in New York. I was crying as usual to Adam saying, this got too big for me. Um, Are they going to come to Chicago? They're coming to my house. What they're bringing me clothes. What if I'm like too fat? I'm not a supermodel. They dress people for like the Oscars. I'm out of my league. I'm uncomfortable. We're shutting this down. I'm a 48 year old woman with a, you know, like veins and baby belly. Like I I got, this is not, we're not doing this. It's too big for me. So we went to New York. We're in Dumbo and we are about to have dinner in Brooklyn. And I was going to call them the next day and say, let's just do a zoom. You can show me clothes. It's going to be amazing. My daughter's sitting in front of me. And she says to me, mama, isn't that that woman from the HBO show behind you that's coming into town? I turn around and I see her. And I start crying because I'd never met her before. And I told her in the moment that I was going to shut it down because I was so afraid of her. And she's, we're like crying and hugging now. And she's like, what are you talking about? And my whole reason I'm telling this story is I needed the universe to literally slap me across the face and say, don't you dare give up on this dream of yours because you're afraid. And that's what I was doing. I was just afraid. Afraid of what? What, what, being like body shamed of, of not being good enough, uh, of this experience being too big for me, instead of saying, no, no, this is, this is for me. And that's what I learned without, within this whole experience is that everything belongs to me. Why, why shouldn't it belong to me? And, and so I will never allow something to pass me up again. I won't, I won't. But it took that experience. And I feel like I even saw you in town and was expressing to you my fear of that whole thing. And those are the lessons, not a TED stage. The lessons are, what do you do every day to overcome all that fear or to get over or to pass it? Or what's the lesson? And for me, it was so big because the weekend they spent here for me was truly my creativity coming alive like I've never experienced in my life. And had I given into the fear, I was about to shut it down. And it's just a good reminder that no matter who you are, no matter that is very real when we're at, when we're expanding to want to close the doors on ourselves because it's, it's scary. And, and I, like I said, I, I told myself after that experience, I will never like double negative here, not honor myself. Like I'm not doing it. I, I'm going to stick to what I know is best for me and just not allow anything else in. And that's hard. That takes practice every day. So. I just want you to know I'm taking so many notes. This is like a TED Talk Plus. 
Oh God, no. But, but, you know, I know because I know your journey and I know what, well, I think I know what you're trying to do and to share and to, uh, and this is why the work that you do is so important because we need these reminders. I, no one's got it down. And if you think they do, you're fooled. Yes. None of us do. Like people will say to me all the time, aren't you a confidence guru? I'm like, no, well, yeah, I work on it and I share about it, but I'm human. Like, what do you want from me? And even so, when we were, I was with the other five speakers and I was saying I was nervous. This was the day of, and I didn't know them very well. And I'll never forget because they were a little bit too cool for school. And I wasn't, of course. And they were like, oh, you're nervous. I'm like, of course I'm nervous. I care about this. Why? You know, and then then they had to go into their accolades of where their speakers and they do this. I'm like, I've done plenty of speaking things, but this means so much to me that of course I'm nervous. But again, it's like people are assholes. Yeah. Like what's so wrong with coming to the table and just saying this is important to me. So I'm nervous. Does that suddenly make you think I'm weaker? Because in my eyes, it makes me you look stronger to me. But it's interesting, just that game. And it's like, I don't want to be a part of that. I, and I just don't. And even in that, even in that element of these, like, you know, people, I saw it on display and I'm like, ew, you're like part of the problem. You know what? It's so mm-hmm. interesting when you talk about that, because I look back at our mastermind that we were in for six months together mm-hmm. with Abby Gibb okay. and some of the most incredible women I have ever had the honor of sitting with. And mm-hmm. The thing that comes to mind as you're sharing this is we paid a lot, a lot of money to be a part of this thing. And going in, in my mind, I thought, oh, dear God, what am I walking into? All of these women are going to have all their shit together. They're going to know all the things. And I'm like this little baby, like, oh, I just started a company a year and a half ago. Like, I have no clue how to do half of the shit I do. And I don't really know how I got to where I am. And the funniest part, the best part was that that's pretty much how everyone entered. (laughs) Didn't matter how much money you had made, how many companies you had successfully started or run, how many clients you have, none of it. It was like, we Mm -hmm. all came to the table super raw. Like, yeah, hi, I don't know either. That is so profound. It is. Well, and again, and until you actually decide to go outside yourself, that narrative is the truth in your head, right? So you think that everybody else has it figured out. And I, what I think is that even if I catch myself thinking somebody else has, I would say, Christina, you know better. And not that I want to, I don't want to, you know, induce struggle on somebody. But the point is that it is not easy for anyone. And so if you give somebody this idea that they sit on a golden toilet, you're totally wrong. And you actually don't know what they've experienced, or maybe they just share their emotions different or, but if you aren't willing to get outside of yourself, it's hard to know that. Um, and that's why I commend all the time, anytime women, especially go into any groups or meetings or it's vulnerable, but you get to see that you aren't alone and nothing will trump that community feel. Um, I think. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. Time for some brands I like to fuck with. Just interrupting Christina for a very brief second to tell you about some of my favorite shit right now. So I've been talking about making smoothies for probably the last year in order to help me get my caloric intake up and protein intake up. Um, And I'm really excited about Paleo Valley's bone broth protein because I can add it to other proteins that have flavor in them. And I'm adding in something that has 
high levels of collagen because of the bone broth, right? It's 100% grass-fed bone broth and it is so nourishing, okay? You talk about nourishing your body on a cellular level, bone broth is going to do that. I think one of the hard things is that not all of us are pulling out our slow cooker and making bone broth, although I do do that and usually the dogs end up getting it because I think I'm nicer to them than I am myself, but that is neither here nor there. Paleo Valley slow simmers their bones to extract as much collagen protein as possible. They're not using chemicals. There's no solvents. And this is finely, gently powdered so that you can put it into a smoothie. You can add it into so many different things. And you're going to get that collagen that helps your entire body. So it contains amino acids that you need for healthy skin and joints and muscles, Collagen, as many of us know, helps reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It just makes your fucking skin better. It's really critical for anti-aging because it can help regenerate your bones and build muscle. And it also supports heart health. And having bone broth on a regular basis is so helpful for your body to recover and to you know, if you are sick or if you're working out a lot or if you're not getting a lot of sleep, maybe you're a new mom or you're a dog mom and those little shits have you up all night. This is an amazing way to get a ton of different nutrients in one sitting. So, so excited because Connor and I put the Paleo Valley bone broth protein in all of our smoothies now. You can't taste it. It doesn't taste like bone broth. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and it's so easy to add into so many different things. You can e- even put it into a scoop of hot water. Um, you can make it in a baked dish. Like there's just so many ways you can use it. And I'm so excited to be sharing this with you. Um, so if you want to check out Paleo Valley, any of their products, I've talked about a few of them, but the bone broth protein is the bomb. You can go over to paleovalley.com and use the code Kelly T at checkout for 15% off. That's P A L E O V A L L E Y.com. Enter the code Kelly T for 15% off. Happy bone brothing. All right. Okay. So the other day, I had my bachelorette party at my house. It's like an old lady bachelorette party. We took baths, we did face masks, we cooked a lot. Um, It was magical to say the least. I'm sure I will do a whole episode on this at some point. But you know what I did is I made Organifi for everyone every day they were here. And it was so good. I just kind of left it on the table. I even did this for Christina Rice when she was in town. She said I treated her like a queen. Yeah, you treat a queen like a queen, goddammit. But I just love sharing Organifi with everyone I know. And so when I have friends over, it's always on the counter. I'm like, go into the pantry, grab whatever you want. Here's the coconut butter. Here's my little hand mixer. Have a fucking field day. And it was so great because they were coming up with all their own concoctions. But it's so fun to see people nourishing themselves in real life, right? We talk about it online. Sometimes we read ads on podcasts. Sometimes we make cute videos of like, oh, like me making my cool drink. But to truly see people doing this in person, taking care of themselves, making their health a priority, even in a social setting, I think is really cool. Most of my friends don't drink, so we're making Organifi at night. And I really appreciated that experience. The girls were mixing 
the regular gold, which is that beautiful yellow turmeric-y color with the chocolate gold, which is fucking just chocolate powder glory that I'm so here for. They were also having harmony, which is so good if you're having PMS symptoms or bloating, fatigue, mood swings, all the things. Um, And so it was just so great to see everyone kind of making their own little concoction and absolutely loving it. So if you're having like a lady get together, I think it would be so fun to have all of this on hand, even for the holidays. It's a great gift. It's also really nice to just have for people. It's like a bag of tea, but you're giving them something with so many superfoods in it. And I like to be a really good hostess. So that means I'm providing the very best for all of my people. You can go to Organifi.com slash Kelly T and you'll get 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Kelly T and you will get 20% off. Here's the other thing that I'm so excited about sharing with people. And I, I think I've told you guys this before, but Connor's out hunting. Yeah, we know. Um, <laughs> no sex September. That's what I'm calling it now. That's hunting season for me. But I love sending him out with Element and I love gifting boxes of Element to his hunting buddies because they don't really take care of themselves. I don't know if you're like me, but what I've recognized is that guys are really bad at doing stuff for themselves. And so you kind of have to force feed them healthy things and be like, hey, here are your vitamins, here are your salts here is this so that they take care of themselves because they're just grown children. Um, But I love sending them out with element because these guys aren't eating and they're eating like packaged foods. And then they're hiking, you know, 10 miles a day sometimes. And they're in really harsh conditions and their adrenaline is rushing because they, you know, they're hunting. It's a whole, it's a whole vibe. Um, And so I love gifting them element It's so good for you. It is so good at replenishing everything that you need. Electrolytes, the best on the market. It's great if you're fasting, if you're having carb cravings, um, and they don't put any sugar or artificial ingredients in there. So, you know, I'm an Element fan, and it's so important to gift really clean, healthy things to our friends so that they feel really good and they all end up loving it. And then they're like, wait, can can I get my own code? And I'm like, no, bitch, use my code. So if you want to try out Element, I know they have a lot of the new flavors in the sample packs. Yay. You can go to drinkelement.com slash Kelly T. That's drinkelement.com slash Kelly T. And you'll get an eight pack sampler for just the cost of shipping, which is five bucks if you live in the United States. So have fun with it. Enjoy all the things. Here is Christina again. Okay, I want to know how you defined fear before all of this and how you define fear now. Sure. Well, uh, my gut always tells me when somebody says to me, like, you're fearless. I always say, no, I'm completely full of fear, but it doesn't paralyze me. Like, so I, I will never say that about myself, but I will always go back to fear for me is based on what's the consequence to the action holding me back. This is my, what I play in my head. Because again, like you, I've experienced loss. So if somebody's not dying, the fear isn't so big. So I I would always tell myself, so you go up on TED, you pee your pants, it's horrible. No one's dying, you move on. So my benchmark for fear has always been TED or not. Is this life and death? Because it's really not. Like it might suck and I might be afraid, but it really isn't because you can pretty much fix anything else. Relationships, money, whatever it is. But if you're dying, you're dying. Like that's tough. So I don't really think, to be honest with you, 
my fear definition changed through Ted. I think my trust did. Um, and again, that just came out of my mouth. But as you asked me that, that's what I think changed. Is that, you know, I almost would get, I, I don't know if other people can resonate with this, but you know, when you get a lot of the times, like people would say like, oh my gosh, it's going to be great. And you're going to crush it. And, and I was, it almost starts to feel worse because people expect that you've done things well in the past. You'll do it again. So I kept thinking to myself, well, this is the time I don't, <laughs> <laughs> this is the time I really suck. You know what I mean? Like, it's really kind, but it kind of, every time somebody would tell me I'm going to do great. Cause I always do great. I was like, oh God, like, this is the moment where it like all comes down. And now I really realized, no, like trust yourself. And by great, again, please know, I don't mean that I'm awesome. I mean, doing the best for me to be clear. And so I, now I know that like, you know, just like trust myself, really trust myself. It's gonna be fine. And I don't think I had that before. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting, when you can put things into perspective, we've both dealt with loss and death in our lives, um, in, in a big way. Um, I think when you do have that barometer of like, oh, but I made it through this thing. So literally, what is it that's going to crush me? Because if I got through this and I'm still standing and thriving, then what is it that I'm actually afraid of? Like, what is it that is keeping me back? And I mean, almost, you know, almost every time it's we're just standing in our own way. There's really nothing else holding us back. And it's when you can have that perspective and you can really sit with that and own that. I think it allows us to move outside of ourselves and move. I don't want to say faster because it's not a race, but move at a faster pace to come back to that knowing and that trust you're talking about rather than letting fear be our guiding light. But it's so funny how you're talking about it too, which is always illuminating to me because it's another season of life. Yeah. The longer we live, the more tragedy we have, heartbreak we have, loss we have, and we all have it. No one's immune to it. And so I guess the way I try to look at those situations is when I'm in that, it's really easy when, when you're not in the situation to say this will pass healing time, all the things. But now what I've learned is that it is trying to teach me something as terrible as it is. And if I can actually fully lean into it, feel it, experience it, I know that's the gift waiting for me if I let it. And again, that's only because I know, and you know, I lost my parents like a decade in between and how I experienced my dad's loss versus my mom's loss, really different, not good or bad, but wow, did it prepare me differently? And so because we are all going to walk that walk, if we can say there is an opportunity in here for me to grow as a person, despite the pain, because it's going to happen, whatever it might be. And so in a lot of ways, I think about it um, with my kids, it's very hard to watch anyone you love suffer whether it could be a sickness or just that you're not included at the lunch table. Nobody likes to see their, but you, I always say, but that's their path. Like they've got to experience it in order to grow. And that helps me as like an empath to allow people to go on their own path because we want to save people, right? Mm-hmm. Want to make everybody feel good, especially as women being pleasers, right? And it's helped me to put up the boundary of like, this is your life to lead. It's like, I, I going to, let you do that. And so for me, you know, you talking about that piece, I think is, is another great piece of aging. You learn from that. Yeah. I'm so curious because you have a thousand kids, um, how you have <laughs> successfully navigated. Um, cause I haven't met your children, but 
our dear friend, Laura Holloway, who we share now, says your family is just the greatest family she's ever been around in her whole life. Um, how have you been able to step back and allow your children to become who they are without needing to project on them, micromanage them, and really create the space for them to be fully expressed the way you are? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, thank you for that. It was a learning process, to be clear. You know, your first kid, you're kind of a disaster if you have more than one, because, you know, you're just a disaster (laughs) and you get better as they go, to be clear. But I I think for me, what has been the the best medicine is understanding that um, they aren't me. And I had a hard time with this. Like if, if I think about like my 17 year old son, he could not be more opposite of me in the sense that very reserved, uh, just very different. And, and so it took me years to understand that um, you don't want these, you know, heartbeats outside of your body walking around that are you, and you want them to be fully themselves. And the only way to allow them to be fully themselves is what I say, is I go back to are they safe and are they loved? And if they are, we can pretty much do anything. You know, things that seem so important really aren't. Like you can get just like just like women are within marriages or children, you know, this the circles that you become a part of, your kids not doing travel basketball, they're not going to get into college and are they doing this and and they're not involved in this preschool, but then they're going to never, you know, succeed in kindergarten. Like it's ridiculous. It doesn't end. But I say, if you become very clear as soon as you can, and what are the core values that you want for your family, and that be your guiding light, which is even in the pandemic, are you letting your kid go to school? Do you have a mask? Do not like all the bullshit. I don't care what anyone else is doing. I'm doing what we are doing as a family. That's it. And you've got to stay true to that the whole entire way. And what ends up happening is your children feel confident because they see that their parents are. And this is what we do as a family. I'm sorry, everybody else is doing that. It's not what we do. And then suddenly they they feel comfortable, first of all, because you've given them guide guidelines and structure. Kids thrive that. But then you've also given them the authority to sort of be their own agent and make decisions, even when you know that they're not great for them. And so I think it just takes a lot of practice. But ultimately, I'll go back to if they're not going to die, we're going to get through anything. I mean, you know, I'm in the same situation now. My son is a junior in high school. Everyone's talking about college counseling, ACT courses, all the things. Um, we just signed Ryder up for a fashion class at the Art Institute. I was like, he's interested in designing clothes. That's what we're doing. I'm not, I'm not playing the game. And I think if you trust your child, they, they become so confident and whole because I'm not engineering your life. Because when I engineer your life, what it says is that you can't do it. So if I said, oh my God, I got to get you all this tutoring and I got to get you into the best schools. What it's saying to that child is, I don't think you're good enough on your own here. And I'm not going to do that. I've I've given over. I always say to our kids, you are responsible and in charge of your education. It's up to you what you want to do with this. I can't control you. I can't make you do things. I've never really sat down and done homework with my kids. Wow. You know, and please know, I understand that some children, whether it's it's ADD or I mean, they need help. But if your child does not have learning disabilities or whatever, the more you can get, they're wildly capable if you give them the opportunity. Treat them with that respect and capability from the moment you meet them because you're, you're creating a human being that feels whole and seen. And, you know, it, it goes back to like, you know, this Montessori education though, is that 
how many times do you see little kids and, and the parents are putting their shoes on and getting their jackets on? They can do it. They can do it. And so we just, we take things away because that's how we show our love. I'm not going to make you, I, I, I'm going to make you breakfast because I can. No, like let them. That makes me think about even my relationship with Connor, right? I I am very <laughs> controlling by nature and uh, I say I'm a recovering control freak and perfectionist, <laughs> but I yeah. like to micromanage other people's lives for them. But I know right. that when I do that, it instills in them this belief that, oh, mm-hmm. well, I can't do it. So she's going to do it for me. And right. I know that you've done it so well with your kids. I'm just curious in a romantic relationship with your husband, how you've been able to navigate that as well. Cause he's a fucking grown ass man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things, first of all, your intention is a good one. You love him. So it is coming from a good place. Yeah. Um, here's what I've learned in 20 years of marriage um, is first of all, it depends on your partner. So Adam is the most easygoing man on the planet. So I used to be a total control freak. I'd say in the last two years, three years, I've changed, which is good. Um, Number one, um, he allows my bad behavior. So he actually doesn't care, which which I know. But here's what I will say. If I don't let him in on something, he's never going to do it. So so then I can't come back and complain. So so again, it kind of goes back to setting up shop, right, which is um, I can't like take over cleaning the kitchen because it's only getting done like I like it and then expect him to do it. But then he's like, but you don't even like the way I do it. So I'm now very careful about what I take control of knowing that I actually don't want that from him. And it works, if that makes sense. So you can't be, you can't do both, right? You, you can't like, you, you can't insert yourself only when it's convenient for you and your control freakness. Ooh, like you gotta figure out. I feel right? attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean you, I mean us. But, I'm just kidding. Because I still do, I still do those things, but it's a little bit different because one, I really do think though, I, I know his limitations about where he doesn't want me to insert myself and I just don't. So it just takes time, right? But I think if you're aware of that, it's helpful because there might be things that you totally take control of. And he's like kind of glad about it. Yeah. Like, I want to do it anyways. Well, I mean, so that works. This is so simple and silly, but I do feel like this is a problem that so many women have. Mm-hmm. So I'll just share mine and the revelations yeah. I'm having around it. Laundry. Like, yeah, I will do the laundry. And Connor will walk by it, clean clothes on the bed, whether I leave a pile of them or I lay them out so that they don't get wrinkled for four days. And last week, I mean, every day I'm like, so um, you're closer on the bed. And he's like, "Eh, whatever. Finally, he like tackles me onto the bed on top of all the clothes one day. It's day five that they've been on there. And he goes, you know that I do this on purpose, right? And I said, excuse me? And he goes, I think it is hilarious how much you squirm about these fucking clothes on the bed. So now I'm just leaving there on purpose. And I was like, I'm literally going to murder you and we're never even going to have a chance to get married. So I have decided he just doesn't care. Like it doesn't matter to him. Right. But it matters to me. Right. So I am like, I'm going to take five minutes and put your clothes away because that brings me joy because things are put away. And that is a value of mine and a priority for me and not for you. Other things are priorities for him. And I had to let it go. Oh my gosh, you're going to die though. So for me, it's the same thing. (laughs) And I even stored out people's clothes and I put them in piles. Nobody. So now you know what I do? 
Cause I, I need it to be put away for my brain. Like yes. I don't like it sitting there. So now whether it's inside out or I take the pile, I open the drawer and I put the pile and I close it. So if you are happy with your clothes being like that, that's on you. But now they're <laughs> going to wash them, but I put them in inside out and that, cause if I can't see it and it's yours, I got no problem with that. So that's been my solution because no, if I say to pick it up, they'll do it once. Right. So now I pick up the whole pile. I mean, I've moved the pile closer and closer to like the bedroom door. <laughs> they still, the pile still sit there. So, and I used to undo the socks. And one day Adam said, I'm like, you guys can't just take your socks off, not inside out. So Adam says, well, why don't you put them back the way you found them? I'm like, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Now I take the pile. I put it in. Even if the sock is with the shirt is with the underwear, you can decide. Wow. So that's what I mean. I'm stealing because that. I, well, and because I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that in my drawer. No. So I would have to redo it. So, but it, here's the thing. What you just said though, is, is truly like, that is, that is a really, that's marriage. I mean, it, those are the things that make you bonkers, right? Yeah. So you got to figure out like, what, what are my non-negotiables here? What can I live with? And what's going to make me crazy? Yeah. You know, well, and it's like, I mean, I'm so making myself crazy. He, it's just like, whatever for him. It so it doesn't matter. Right. And he's not trying to be mean. It's just like not important. No, here's the thing I will say. And this is something I always say to Adam. Like I, I ask him the same questions a thousand times a day about anything with technology. And, or I'll be like, I need that picture. Can you send me this? And he's like, our torture is on the iCloud or whatever. And so now I've said, listen, I'm your wife. You need to make my life easy. You just need to give it to me. You don't need to tell me that you showed me the file it was in 400 times. I want you to reverse what you're thinking now and just think, how do I make Christina happy? Like, I don't care that it doesn't matter to you and it's, and it's easy for you, but it's just, it's not. Like, so it's like almost like saying to kind of, who cares that you don't care, but I care. Right. So you're doing it actually for me, not for you. Yes. And that's the thing all the time. I have to say all the time, like the counters, I'm a freak about the counters. I need them wiped down. If there's even like a spot, I go nutso. And Adam will come in and he takes the towel and I look over and I'm like, you know, I'm dying right now. I'm dying right now that you're folding that. And like, I cannot handle it. <laughs> and so but that that's the thing, right? It, it is real life. Mm -hmm. It's real life. So you are one of the happiest, most vibrant people I know. And I just, you, your energy is just, it's such a joy to be around you. Mm -hmm. And I notice this within myself and we get back to aging again, because I think this is just a gift of wisdom we get, but we let go yeah. of things that just don't matter. And we really yeah. embrace things, even the smallest moments. Like I love watching your stories every morning because it's 4 a.m., especially when you're practicing for Ted. 4 a.m. Here's my coffee. Here's the glitter. Here's the puppy yeah. on the, you know, yeah. whatever crate. And then here's, you know, my cute yoga outfit. I can see all your stories in my head, which means I need right. to stop stalking right. you so hard. Stop. Um, stop. But like, it's the little moments, right? That bring us so much joy that we didn't pay attention to when we were younger mm -hmm. because we, we only saw this, right? We were just one track minded. I want to know how you have cultivated this level of joy and vibrance in your life and what that has looked like. Well, I think the reason why I've gotten to this place and to be clear, I just arrived here. I didn't try to get here is that I have such anxiety about the future. And when I say that, I mean about life and death. It's no surprise. There's been a lot of loss. So I can sit and I can have anxious fear that someone I love is going to die. And the only way that I can learn to put that away is to take absolute joy in the moments of the day. 
and they're all small. It's getting my coffee. It's it's knowing that when my children walk down the stairs every morning, they I look at them in the eye, I give them a hug and say, it's going to be a good day. It's, um, you know, really playing out my life for all the simplest joys. And, and I refuse to look at it any other way because I don't, you know, my dad said something when he was dying, which I thought was, you know, we were outside and I was kind of crying because he was in this moment. And I remember him saying, there's a time to be sad and it's not now because mm. he was still here. And so I think about that all the time because I have anxiety about a lot of fears about health and just because I'm scared to lose people. I'm not scared of not having money or um, not being successful or getting really fat or having wrinkles down. I'm not scared of any of that. I'm scared of losing people I love. And so how I how I channel that is to every day, I'm going to notice things that I'm so grateful for because it is hard to... Um, obsess over what I think are silly things a lot of times when you're just grateful that you're here. You're grateful that you're you're grateful that you, you know, you got to go to carpool and see your kid and that they came home because for me again, raw, there wasn't a school shooting. You know, I mean, I get so anxious about that stuff that if I can distill my day down to every simple joy, it works for me. And when it comes to like sharing my life, I only share what I feel like when I feel like I, I, I'm not manufactured in that way either. I'm like, oh, I better get up and showcase my coffee and then do my dog. It's like, no, I'm just living. And so when I feel like sharing it, I do. And when I don't, I don't. And it's like, take it or leave it. And, and so I think for me, and I know you do this too, that the closer we can become to our moments, I think the the closer we can become to feeling like liberated by, you know, the fear of the future, right? So, and they're real things. I, I'm sure for you, having a baby or or figuring out X, Y, Z, I'm not minimizing it, but there is no benefit to harboring that fear and anxiety that doesn't lead to anything positive. So if I can just like take a breath and start my day, and it doesn't mean I'm not like crabby or have bad days. It just means that I'm fully aware that today is is not just given to me. Like, I'm fully aware that I'm here and, and I get to be here. So I'm going to make the choice for how today's going to be. And it's just not lost on me. It's just not. I love that I so much. So Otherwise, good. I live in I live in anxiety of bad things. I could go there real quick. You know, I agree. and that's just not healthy. Yeah. I think one of the best traits of the women that I surround myself with now is their ability to ask themselves better questions. Mm -hmm. I know that's what's been really supportive for my growth and my radical mm -hmm. honesty with myself. Um, and so I would love to know, maybe it's a couple, maybe it's one, but what's a question yeah. that you have asked yourself maybe once every day, whatever, that has allowed you to become an introspective, self-aware, joyful woman? Okay, well, I don't mean to sound so morbid, but again, you know me, I, what's the first thing that pops into my head is I ask myself every day, if I die tomorrow, am I proud of myself? If I die tomorrow, have I led the life I want to lead? And again, I don't mean successful. I don't mean I haven't made a million mistakes. I mean, do the people that I love know that? Have I made them a priority? Have I made sure that I've showed up for myself so I feel good? So I ask myself that every day. And, and I will say with full heart, as of today, if I were not to be here tomorrow, 
I'm so, so grateful for every moment I've had on this planet. And I wouldn't change a thing. Um, that's what key, that's like my true north, right? Which is, again, I just want to be so clear that it's not about doing it right or doing it well or doing, it's just like showing up and, you know, <laughs> fighting about laundry or doing all the things. But it, it's, it's just this overall sense that washes over you. Like, am I leading the life that I want to live? And and some of us don't know what that means. But for me, it's always been so clear that the number one thing for me is love. It just that that is that oozes out of me and it will trump everything for me. Um, you know, if anyone that I cared about didn't know that I felt that way about them, that to me is devastating. You are everything. <laughs> you are. Thank you so you. much. I am so proud of you. I'm so happy that you're proud of yourself for everything, not just Ted, but everything you're doing in your life, the way you're showing up. I learn from you every day and ugh, God, can't get through an episode with you without crying. I just want to say, um, Stop you, me <laughs> you're, you're just such a kind person and you make me feel so good and you've interacted with so many of my dearest friends as well and they say the same thing about you you are the same with everyone that you love and that you want to show up for and we are all better people because of you and I'm also just really grateful to know someone who is older than me, who has paved a path and who is so generous and raw with her time and and sharing how you got to where you are without saying, oh, look at me, I'm here and I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. You you truly, you spread your wings and you grab all of us and you say, come on, let's fucking go together. Mm-hmm. And that is such a gift that I so rarely see. And I just want to recognize you for that because I am a better person because of you. And I'm just so grateful to know you and have you in my life. So thank you. I love you. And I feel, I feel the same. And I will say this. um, I don't give love where it isn't deserving. And that's you. And when I love hard, I love hard and the sun will shine on you. The fact you feel that way makes me so happy because you deserve that. And I, I learn from you just as much all the time. And we're so lucky, right? Thank you. So lucky. So lucky. I love you. I love you too.